Hey, y'all. So this week on the Speak the Language podcast, we're joined by Michael Hunter, who is a chef based out of Toronto. He's a super nice guy, avid outdoorsman, very interesting to talk to. We talk about hunting, fishing, wild game cooking, wild foraging. And then hands down, my favorite part of the podcast is Michael actually owns a restaurant in Toronto. And he had some issues last March with animal rights activists protesting right in front of his restaurant. And the way he dealt with them is uh, it's quite, quite humorous and quite effective, if I do say so myself. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. And lastly, if you enjoy this podcast, do us a favor, head to iTunes, give us a rating, write us a review. Hope you enjoy the show. All right. So this week on the podcast, I'm joined by Michael Hunter. And man, first off, like you're, you're probably ever, when I started, I started following you on Instagram on the, on the Primo's page. And, uh, you have yep. d- probably one of the most interesting Instagram pages what, for me, I guess, because I'm, I'm a big <laughs> fan of food. <laughs> and uh, I just thought you had a, a really cool story and just an interesting guy, and I wanted to have you on the show. So so first off, before we get into anything, thank you for taking time out of your, your schedule to, to come on and talk with us today. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so, you know, I kind of had an idea of, of stuff I wanted to talk to you about, but uh, – I was uh, getting ready yesterday and looking over some stuff, and I, I saw a, you had an Instagram story posted, and uh, that's when I, I heard about it was a tragic thing. I guess you know there was that you know the Toronto Raptors just run won the championship, and I guess it was it was at the parade yesterday. There was a shooting. Yeah, there was uh, there was multiple shootings, and uh, for me, it's just pretty upsetting because my uh, my son was there with some of his friends at, with at, uh, from school. Oh wow! And um, there's just been a number of of gun crimes on the rise in the major cities, and um, it's it's a pretty polarized topic right now in Canada. Considering we already have really strong gun control measures, right? So, like, like what's the? I'm not familiar with the with the laws up there, you know. So, I, I mean, obviously, these guys that were doing the shooting weren't probably didn't have yeah. you know weren't licensed to be carrying what they were carrying. Yeah, so from my understanding, Canada has some of the strongest gun control laws uh, in the world, and I think uh, I think a lot of them are actually beneficial. Um, so to get a, a firearms license in Canada, um, mm-hmm. I think you start off with what's, what's called a non-restricted license, and that's basically for your long guns, hunting rifles, shotguns, right. um, basically you know target shooting rifles, things like that, um, and. You have to take a safety course, uh, pass a written test, and pass a practical test before you can get your license. Um, and I think that part's great. You know, I think that um, gun safety and uh, courses about learning how to use firearms and use them safely, I think I think they're great. I think that's a great tool right. uh, for people to, to have to do. Um, police do background checks, uh, you know, before you get your license, and then as as far as I know, that you have uh, your your name gets run daily um, in the police system to make sure that you you don't have any outstanding or new criminal charges. Right. Um, and I think I think that's a good thing. But the 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 problem that we're having now is that gun gun crime is on the rise. Um, but compared to the states, uh, we're still really low. I think in 2018 there was uh, something like th- around 300 uh, homicide deaths. Wow. Or uh, deaths by uh, firearms, which is actually pretty low as a you know as a whole country right. um, is considered. Um, and our uh, our current government, that's a democratic government, um, is uh, passed a bill to 
restrict restrict uh, our, our gun laws even more. So, and the the problem is that these criminals and people that are shooting each other, they don't have gun licenses. They're not following the rules. They're not allowed to carry uh, handguns in public. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's incredibly frustrating because. Uh, they're not following the laws anyway, so they're just creating more laws and more uh, restrictions on legal firearm owners, um, and they're not targeting the real problem, which is crime and criminals. They're not they're not giving them harsher sentences for firearms violations. Um, you know, people people get arrested for these crimes and they get slapped on the wrist or they get let go and it's they get let out on bail and they commit crimes again. It's it's really frustrating. Yeah, and I'm sure that's got to be something that hits home with you, with you know that occurring, you know, so close to you, and then you being a hunter, and that it's it's that's the same argument, you know, because we, you know, when you when you hear gun control arguments here in here in the U.S., it's kind of the same deal, you know, like well, if you create these strict gun yeah. laws, it's not like you're going to take guns away from the people that are doing the illegal stuff anyway, you know, so it just seems yeah. seems backwards, man. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's a shame. And I, I forgot to mention that I only talked about the one part of our licensing. The second part of our licensing is, uh, is to do with restricted firearms, which are handguns mm-hmm. and um, short barrel uh, rifles. So an AR-15 is considered a restricted firearm. Right. Uh, so handguns and res- restricted firearms can only be used at a range. You're not allowed to target shoot in your backyard or if you have a farm. Uh, you can't plink cans with a with a little twenty two pistol, uh, even in your backyard. That's so crazy. They're, they're all, they're, our, our rules are already very strict when it comes to handguns. Yeah. Um, and right now, our, our mayor of Toronto is asking the government uh, to ban handguns in the city. And if you really look at the laws, handguns are already banned in the city. You're not allowed to take them out of your house. You're, you're only allowed to transport them to a range. They have to be in a case that's locked and the gun itself has to have a trigger lock uh mm. when you're transporting it yeah so it's uh it, it's already really strict and the people that are caught with guns they're just released on bail and and uh it's it's pretty sad yeah man that's a that, i mean that's a i guess that's a completely different world from from over here you know down here we've got concealed carry laws and you know permits that you can yeah. get for all that kind of for all that kind of stuff man that's that's wild it's it's so sad that that happened too, you know. Especially, I mean, obviously the the NBA championship getting one is a is a I mean, it's great for the great for Toronto, and it's you know just hate that something yeah. like that would happen, put a damper on that. But golly, it's terrible. Yeah, and like I think one of the one of the victims was uh, just a kind of innocent woman that was a bystander. So it's it's yeah. it's terrible, and you know I think our uh, our police need better tools funded by the government to to really crack down on this issue. Absolutely. Like a hundred percent, absolutely. That's hmm. that's heartbreaking. It really is. Huh. Well, man, I, I like I hate you. Know, like I said, I, I usually don't like to start podcast episodes on a, on a negative <laughs> note, but you can't. But you, you know, I mean, like that's something you, you can't just ignore it. And that happened, and it's very you current. Yeah, it's very current. So yeah. I mean, it, it it needed to be spoken about, especially you know, chance to maybe get the the word about it, word out about it some. But um, I guess yeah, let, let's take a. Let's take a turn on the on the topics that talk about something something a little bit more positive. So you know, like I said, you're, you're an interesting guy, and uh, I think I think it'd be safe to say that your your interest in in hunting and fishing in the outdoors kind of led a lot to to what you do today. So tell tell me a little bit about you know your background in, in hunting and fishing and, and everything. 
Um, so I guess it really just started as a, as a kid. I uh, grew up in the country on a horse farm, and um, my parents uh, are uh, English um, descent, and um, I grew up fox hunting on horseback with hounds. And that was really my introduction to hunting. Um, I grew up on a farm. We had a pond, so fishing was something I did almost every day as a kid. I was always swimming in the pond or catching crayfish, and right. uh, we had uh, largemouth, largemouth bass in the pond. So it was just being in the outdoors was uh, part of my upbringing. But really, hunting for food didn't start till I was um, I was about nineteen okay. and going to chef school, and I was really getting interested. Uh, and where my food was coming from. Mm -hmm. I was um, starting to pick mushrooms at the restaurant I was working at. We worked across the street from this huge provincial park, and uh, we were on our break at the restaurant going and hiking in the in the woods and finding all these mushrooms and wild plants and things that, that we could buy from specialty companies, but we were finding them in our backyard and bringing them to the restaurant and, and cooking with them. And I thought that, um, you know, this was, was pretty amazing. And the more I was learning about it, the more, you know, I started to realize that this isn't new, you know, it's, right. it's, you know, people have been hunting and gathering for, you know, since the beginning of time to survive. And it's just something that seems to be forgotten about in, in this time in, in our lives. Um, and uh, it wasn't uh, until I started hanging out and, and chatting with the uh, huntsman of the hounds from this fox hunting club that he told me that he was going turkey hunting. And I didn't even know there was wild turkeys in Canada. I thought, I thought that was, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah. And, uh, he, he took me turkey hunting for the first time. And it was when I got to experience tasting wild turkey for the first time. Uh, I was able to compare it to, you know, growing up eating farm raised Turkey at Christmas and Thanksgiving and right. all those holidays. Yeah. I just, I, I couldn't believe the difference in flavor. Yeah. So I think as a, as a chef, as a young chef, my eyes were just completely opened and um, I, I didn't want to be uh, eating kind of farmed raised meat anymore because I, I just thought that wild meat was healthier and eating what it's supposed to and living a happy life out in nature. Yeah, for sure. Man. And, you know, not to sound like cliche or, you know, you hear it a lot these days. But I, I mean, I can attest to it. Like you like you said, you eat like the, you know, like the store bought turkey that at the, that you have at your family gathering at Thanksgiving. You compare that to, you know, a turkey that not was just you know, got out of the wild, but one that you worked for yourself. There, I mean, there really is no comparison yeah. to the feeling of it, to the taste of There's it, no everything. Comparison. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a, a firsthand experience with it. Um, and I've told this story on this podcast, I don't know how many times now, but uh, my mother had never killed a deer up until two years ago. And uh, wow. just, to, you know, I, so I took her out. You know, she never really had, you know, her story was that, you know, the family she was raised in, the the men hunted, you know, she was raised around it, but she never yeah. went herself. And so she's just like, I want to go. Right. And so we went out, we shot a doe, yeah. um, killed it. And then I can remember when she ate it and she was like, she's like, it literally tastes different to me because I got this myself. Yeah. And I was like, that's, you know, it tastes, it, I'm sorry, what? No, so, sorry to interrupt, but I just said, yeah, it tastes so much better when you've put in all that work and effort and you know, you know exactly, you know, how it died and, you know, the life that animal had and you got to see that firsthand, it makes an incredible difference. Oh, exactly. And like, I, almost, I don't want to say I was, I don't want to say I was desensitized to it, but I guess because I'd been around it so much, I'd forgotten what it was like for yeah. someone who, you know, that was their first time, you know, because, you know, mama had had yeah. deer before, but she never had one that she got yeah. herself. And I could see, 
you know, right. that difference. And it was, I, and I got it. I was like, this is really, you know, this is, this is how, and that's yeah. why it's so special. That's why I think that. T- yeah. Tell me about like the, the foraging thing, you know, the, the mushrooms and stuff that, that intrigues me. I, I wish I could say that I'm, I, like I'm not even a, a novice level at that. All I, the the most I know about foraging is I know morel mushrooms. That's about it. And but that's yeah. that's so cool to me that you do that. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know I still consider myself a novice. You know, there's so many. You know, in terms of mushrooms, like millions of varieties of things, and it's you know it can be kind of a scary subject. You know, especially growing up you, as kids, and you tell your kids you know, don't eat mushrooms, you right. know, they're, they're poisonous. They can make you sick because some of them can, and there's yeah. a lot of them that can. And, and, uh, you know, there, there are, there are a few varieties that will kill you, uh, fairly quickly. They'll shut down your liver and your organs will fail. And by the time you feel you have a stomach ache, it's, it's over. So, right. um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a very fascinating topic. There's lots of books. Um, one of them that I started with was called the, uh, Audubon society, uh, a guide to mushrooms in North America. That mm-hmm. is a great, uh, great reference with lots of uh, color pictures and really gets into the science and the different types of uh, mushrooms and the different families there are. So that mm-hmm. that was a great sort of learning tool for me. Um, and then there's just a, a number of other books that are sort of scientific guides, but also foraging related. They will talk about edibility and and um and the habitat and where they grow and the things to look for and um i guess the most important one are uh, poisonous lookalikes so right. morels are, are are pretty safe because they're only there is a lookalike it's called a false morel mm-hmm. um but even if you were to eat them you know you might get an upset stomach but it's not going to kill you right um so there there is lots of mushrooms that really like puffballs you know they don't really have any poisonous lookalikes so they're pretty safe to eat um there's a, a mushroom called a pheasant back or a dryad saddle. Yeah. Um, they don't really they don't really have any lookalikes, so they're pretty safe to start learning. So, um, I guess my advice to anyone interested in the subject is just you know buy some books. There's some great groups on Facebook where you can get started uh, and post pictures and ask people questions and um, really just I guess just educate yourself and start start reading. Yeah. So did you start doing that like like? you start doing that when you started doing like chef school or did you kind of start that when you were younger? No. Well, I remember when I was younger, we had a school trip. Um, I grew up in the country, like I said, so we went to kind of a rural farm community kind of school. So I think we went to a sugar bush Mm -hmm. um, and we're learning about maple syrup. And um, in the spring, the wild leeks or ramps are uh, sort of the first things to pop out of the ground. And they're like a wild uh, onion or like uh, wild garlic. And, um, so I remember as a kid, you know, picking those in the woods and our whole school bus just stank like onion breath. Um, so that was sort of my <laughs> earliest memory of foraging, but, uh, and now something that I, I do with my kids, we, we go, uh, you know, we, we tap maple trees in the, in the end of the winter. Um, and then, uh, and then when the snow melts, we start picking wild leeks and then the morels come out. So it's, uh, something that I've kind of, you know, passed on to my children um but i i got started um because i worked in restaurants we could buy this sort of exotic stuff that was local uh and i just started to look for it so i would you know talk to talk to the chefs that i worked with um one of them went mountain biking and then kind of just rode by a big morel patch and and brought them in and i got really excited about it and uh i went and just started looking for them so that that was morels was really my uh my intro to foraging when i was i think probably 18 yeah 
I see, that's something that I could easily get, like that I could see myself trying to get into. Because, you know, I say, you know, Morels yeah. is like the one that I know. But I honestly, I didn't know yeah. much about Morels until like these, these past years when I started traveling during the spring, you know, with, with Primos. You know, down yeah. in the south, we don't really have Morels. Um, so, right. and I think it was just this past, like it was this spring. Um, like I think it was like yeah. last last month. We we ate yeah. turkey from a turkey we killed in Minnesota, and we, we ate it with morel mushrooms. And it was just, I was like, you know, because oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's incredible. <laughs> but you know, go, goes back to what yeah. we were saying. You know, I you know I was I was kind of used to you know eating wild turkey, but I'd never had wild turkey also with you know the I guess you know the mushrooms or whatever I was eating with it was gathered from the wild too. Yeah. I was like, man, this is incredible. It really was. Like it was it was yeah. so enjoyable. The Primo's Takeout Seed and Feed System. Hands down effective, easy to use, and you will see results. Head on over to Primo's.com and receive free shipping on takeout products for orders of $75 and more. One of the, uh, one of the restaurant uh, photos uh, we have hanging on the wall uh, at Antler is uh, a picture of this giant blown-up picture of this forest with wild leeks all along the forest floor. And I actually took that turkey hunting. Um, so in, in our turkey seasons in May... And the wild leeks and morels are just popping up everywhere. So uh, my favorite thing is to uh, stuff a turkey breast with wild leeks, morels, and uh, goat cheese stuffing. Oh, so that let's like, like uh, entertain my my ignorance to the subject for for a second. You say a wild leek. I honestly, I I could act like I you know go along with it, like I know what that is. I have no yeah, clue yeah. what that is. So <laughs> so they're also they're also uh, they're also called ramps. Um, and it kind of looks like a green onion, but the leaves are, uh, instead of like one stalk coming up, it's like two big green broad leaf, uh, leaves. Um, and it has a bulb like a green onion, but it's a little bit rounder at the very bottom where the root is. Um, and it kind of tastes like a cross between onion and garlic. Okay. Um, and they grow wild kind of all over the, uh, I think it's more Eastern, uh, states and provinces. Right. Um, but if you, if you Google ramps, R-A-M-P-S or uh, wild leeks it should it should pop up and um yeah in the in the spring it's turkey season they're just they're abundant they gotcha. uh, they grow everywhere um but they're they're sort of a, a sensitive plant if you you know you'll see a patch that's maybe like 10 to 20 feet in diameter mm -hmm. um you're only supposed to pick like a like a 10 percent kind of corner of the patch so that it can it can regrow for next year because um if you were to say pick the entire patch uh, they wouldn't grow back. They're all connected kind of a, as a root system and they don't, um, they don't go to seed, uh, very often or, or the seeds don't take very well. So it's, right. um, there's actually, a, uh, the province of, of Quebec, they've actually banned foraging for them because, uh, people have, have sort of picked them all. So they're oh, trying to gotcha. protect, protect that species. Yeah. And I think there's some places in the, in the States where I was reading where you have to, you have to buy a license to forage them so it's uh it's sort of an interesting interesting subject yeah it is interesting it's very interesting another thing that you know that i thought was cool was you you know do you do um you incorporate the 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 forage and stuff into the the restaurant that you operate now correct yeah it's uh it's pretty special where you know legally we can uh we're not allowed to bring in you know wild game that we hunt right um it's similar to the rules in the in the states um, but what we are allowed to do is, uh, is, you know, go, go foraging or buy from local foragers and introduce that wild stuff, uh, into the menu and, um, 
to educate educate people a little bit about where you know what's local in in Ontario and in Canada where we are. Yeah. So l- let me backtrack a little bit. I got I got a little. I guess I got excited talking about the foraging stuff because it it interests me so much. But um, so you, the 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 antler restaurant that you own now. How long have you have you had that? Um. So we've been around. It'll be four years this September. Gotcha. So what? How? I'm imagine I could be absolutely wrong here, but I'm or, or I'm imagining your your menu with the with the with the all that is is probably fairly unique. Am I right about that? Yeah, we're I think probably the only restaurant um, in Toronto anyway that is exclusively a wild game and wild fish focused restaurant. Yeah, so that that's man. Like for one. If I ever find myself in Toronto, I'm coming to eat there. Just just letting you know that on the forefront. But uh, yeah, so absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, it looks like I said. I was skimming through the Instagram page yesterday. I was like, "Good gracious, this all looks delicious." Uh, so how you know it was is so cool to me. Like just everything. So I guess all that y'all do y'all stay pretty seasonal. I guess you have to with the with the different mushrooms and stuff we- that are. Yeah, we we have to. We um, you know, in terms of the wild fish, there are uh, seasons that we have to you know adhere to unless we want to serve frozen stuff. Um, so we work with uh, uh, fishermen on um, sort of all three coasts, um, as well as uh, fish from the Great Lakes. Right. Um, and it is it is kind of strange that we you know we're allowed to buy and sell wild fish, um, but we're not allowed to buy and sell wild game. So it's it's kind of. <laughs> You know, my theory is everyone has the right to eat it, you know, so yeah. I, I'm a kind of an advocate for, you know, trying to change these laws. But um, and then uh, mushrooms and stuff like that. Yeah, we are fairly seasonal because, you know, the country is so big. We can uh, we, we buy from foragers in B.C. Uh, all the way to uh, to the East Coast as well. So uh, yeah. we are pretty lucky that you know we're such a big place. Yeah, that's wildly cool. I mean that's that's so cool to me. I like again, just I'm not trying to harp on it, but I just kept looking at the menu, looking at the pictures, like man, this is cool. Like this is the like the coolest restaurant that I that I know of. Um, which which brings me to a to another point. You know, I'm sure I said if if I know this was um what was it the I know the 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 protest deal with the the animal rights guys. That was it's been over a year ago now, correct? So yeah, so about uh, about a year and a half ago, we had uh, some pretty angry angry people outside our door um, that we really didn't agree with, you know what what they were saying and what they wanted us to do, which was basically change our whole menu into a vegan restaurant, which is just it's bizarre to me because we we embrace you know all forms of diets. You know, if if you were a vegan and came to our restaurant, we have a couple options already on the menu. Okay. Um, and we're always always willing to do you know uh, something vegan you know off the cuff for somebody if they want to try something different. Um, and you know, a lot of people have different diets for religious reasons and things like that. So we welcome everyone into the restaurant. Right. And, um, we had a, a chalkboard sign out front, and uh, someone wrote, "Venison is the new kale." Um, and, uh, which, you know, it's kind of clever for us because I think venison is really healthy. You know, it's, it's a lean, it's a lean meat and really high in protein and, right. uh, low in fat. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to be fun and, and have some fun. And some, uh, some cyclist riding by took incredible offense to that. And, 
and um, they already were an animal rights activist mm. um, where they, you know, protest at slaughterhouses and things like that. So right. uh, all of a sudden one day they, they just showed up on our doorstep with all these signs and, and um, you know, they, they claimed to be peaceful protesters, but, you know, they weren't really peaceful. They're banging on our windows. They're screaming at our customers and, um, y- you know, being everything but peaceful. Right. So, um we we really had to put up with that for for quite a while they they were the all in all they were at our restaurant once a week for 11 months oh my gosh yeah it's hard to call and it's it's hard to call yourself peaceful when you're yelling at people trying to walk in and get their dinner good gracious yeah. 11 months so i had no I idea always, it carried on that long yeah so i would leave when they were coming cuz i knew that i would I, I was upsetting to me and I knew that I would do something stupid. Um, so the nights that they were coming, I would just leave. Um, and the one night I had to be there, I forget someone was, you know, someone else was off or sick or I, I had to be there that night. Um, and I just, I got so upset when I saw someone coming in the restaurant and um, it was a couple and the woman looked like she was about to cry. She was just being yelled at, called a mur- call, you know, people calling her a murderer. Goodness. And that's when I just really lost my temper. I, I, uh, we buy whole deer uh, once a month from a local farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I should mention, yeah, all of our game is farms. So, right, right. Um, we had it. We had a deer delivery that morning, and I went downstairs and took off one of the back legs and uh, put it down in the front window. And my sort of protest against them was I uh, uh, butchered and dejointed the back leg in the window for them. <laughs> Which is awesome, by the way. Like uh, I was, I was talking to uh, Jimmy this morning, uh, Jimmy Primos, and he was like, "You got a? You recording a podcast today?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "He said with who?" I said, "You hear that?" I said, "You probably heard the story. It's that guy who had those animal rights activists protesting in front of his restaurant. So he butchered a deer leg. And he lit up like a Christmas tree. He said, oh, yeah, I love that guy. He should be cool.'" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so like, cause I, we really couldn't, we really couldn't do much, you know, people right. all have the right to protest. People have the right to, uh, freedom of speech and things like that, which, you know, is important, but they're really just misguided and their efforts, you know, my, one of my thing, um, uh, sort of problems with what they were doing is they weren't really inspiring anybody, right? you know, yelling yeah. at people to inspire change really causes an opposite reaction. People want to fight back. Yeah. So, Especially when they're getting called you know, a murderer. I, 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 yeah, and the, the whole reason why I hunt is so I don't have to buy animals that go through the federal slaughterhouse system because I don't right. agree with it. So right. I, th- I think the thing they don't understand is we have similar views, and they're really just protesting the wrong people. You know, if I think, you know, if it, I agree with them. I think our slaughterhouses need reform. I think the government needs to maybe clean them up or make the process a little safer for the animals or you know, I'm not. I'm not really sure, but you know, coming after small businesses isn't, isn't the way to inspire change. You know, if they want to inspire change, it should be on, you know, Parliament Hill, where the where the where the people make the laws and try and you know go to the root of the problem, not uh, not go after small independent business owners. Yeah, and it, the thing is, it's just so like the way they do it, and it's not just you know not just your incidents at your restaurant. Every time I, I can't say I'm sure there's probably some that are there, but. The, all the protests that I've seen are they're hard to qualify as peaceful. Like I said, even if they're not screaming, it's just yeah. whatever they have on the signs is just so combative. You know, I'm like like you're you know, to your point, like yeah. who are who are you gonna change or persuade in your direction yeah. if you're calling them murderers? You know, it's just it doesn't make much sense yeah. to me. It's it's no. 
Yeah. And the thing was, we, we would have customers go outside and try and have a, a debate, you know, an educated debate with them or an intellectual dialogue. Right. And they would just scream profanity. They were right. not interested in having a conversation. They just want, they're angry and they want to scream. And that was really the, the gist of it. Mm. Yeah. It's hard. You can't argue with somebody like that. I mean, you really can't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't. I mean, you, there's no logic there, you know. You can't You can't yeah. explain anything. So so is that, you know, do you still have, um, do they still protest today or do that kind of, that kind of you know, go out? No, well, the, the media attention was um, was so huge, um, and it was so one-sided. You know, all the media articles were really supportive uh, towards Antler, um, and I think, you know, they kind of realized they lost the battle with Antler, and uh, the same group actually is is still protesting, but they've moved on to a local butcher shop, unfortunately. So they're, uh, this little butcher shop now is getting the brunt of their... Um, protesting and they're still you know they go once a week and um and the funny thing is that they kind of put up with it they've they went inside their butcher shop pretending to be you know paying customers and then staged this big theatrical performance where they pretended to slit everyone's throat and they poured fake blood on themselves laid on the floor and put these big barcode stickers on themselves like they're just totally nuts uh this sounds like that doesn't even sound like (laughs) It sounds like uh, it sounds like that kid you go to middle school that you were in middle school with that just acted out because he wanted attention. That's what that sounds like. You know what I mean? Exactly. It doesn't sound, like you're not accomplishing anything. You're really not. No. Gracious, that poor well, they butcher. Are, you know, they're getting they get attention, and even though it's negative attention, they still like it. So it's yeah. it's they they think that just by getting their message out there that they're winning. So uh. it's uh, it's unfortunate, but. Well, and for us, what well, we 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 had to hire private security um, that was trained in dealing with these types of things. So if if they were to try that in our restaurant, they'd be thrown out. Uh, and legally, you know, if someone's trespassing and you ask them to leave and they don't, you're allowed to throw them out. Right. Um, the police were also the the Toronto police were also great uh, in working with us and making sure everybody was safe. And they gave our staff some training and 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 you know us as the owner some training on how to deal with it if they were to come inside and and be violent. So right. um, and the police were always out, out front, you know, being supportive um, and you know kind of trying to keep them in line. Yeah. Well, you know, being a fan of of you and what you do and your values, I'm, I'm one. I'm glad that you know the the press and the stories, everything came out was, you know, to your favor and that everything was handled like that. And then I'm also glad that you don't have to deal with it anymore. I feel bad for that butcher that's dealing with him now, but I'm glad you don't have to anymore. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so tell me this, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, we were talking about doing this podcast and while when, we, when I initially contacted you, you were down in uh, West Point at the time. Uh, right. And yeah. you've done some, some hunting with those guys at Mossy Oak, have, have you not? I have, yeah. So uh, Daniel Hayes reached out to me on Twitter one day. Um, one of the themes at our restaurant is, is camo. So I uh, I had been looking for a long time for a camouflage apron. Um, because I hunt, you know, and my last name is Hunter, I thought it was pretty cool. And um, I found a local uh, apron guy called Woven Grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was making custom aprons with, like, leather straps and kind of fancy-looking stuff. And um, I wrote him and said, you know, I'm looking for a camouflage apron. No one really has one or no one will make one for me. Um, he said, okay, let me look, look around, see what I can do. 
Um, and he wrote me back and said, yeah, I found one. It's going to cost this much. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to play around with a design. I hope you like it. Um, so the apron that he sent me was uh, my uh, Mossy Oak breakup pattern that I wear. I have these coveralls yeah. um, that are Mossy Oak. And uh, the apron was the exact same pattern. So I was like blown away. I thought this was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and then on the back of it, he made it blaze orange. So oh, that's I was cool. like, this is so cool. You know, like this was, it was so special for me because it yeah. was what I had been wearing hunting for like, you know, 10 years. I've been wearing these coveralls. And um, so when we opened Antler, we had our restaurant staff uh, in the kitchen outfitted with these aprons. And um, I was starting to do these kind of big events and, and special dinners and stuff like that. And I, I, I found Mossy Oak on Instagram so, or and Twitter. So I tag him uh, in the post and I guess Daniel manages the social media. Mm, yep. Um, and he, re- he reached out to me one day and just said, Hey, you know, do you want to come hang out and cook with us? We're trying to do some wild game videos. Um, and that was really my, uh, my introduction to Mossy Oak was, was through social media. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some, uh, one, you know, like you said, I've heard, you know, social media is, it's, while social media can have some negatives, it, it definitely has some positives. Cause you hear a yeah. lot of story, more, more and more stories like that, where people are ge- you're, you're genuinely meeting, good people through social media and uh you know all the mossy oak guys you know, mossy oak and primos has always been been tight with each other and they're great guys and daniel um you're, he does great at the at all the social media stuff the thing that that interests me yeah. is uh i want to know your opinion or, or what your thoughts are on the differences between hunting where you grew up in canada versus hunting in the in the south down where down where where we are <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be some stock differences uh, well, there. You know what? It's actually it's pretty similar. You guys have way more deer than we do, so that's uh, I'm a bit jealous of that. Yeah. But um, the you know the countryside um, in Mississippi really looks uh, a lot similar to where I grew up. You know, really? there's a lot of kind of rolling hills. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's pretty flat, but there's still kind of rolling hills and lots of green pasture and. Um, you know, we have hardwood forests and pine forests and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's actually, the countryside looks really similar. Um, but what I love most about the South is just the people. You yeah. know, I, uh, when I, when I came down there, I just said, you know, I feel like I'm at home. Like I found my people and it was, <laughs> you know, they all laughed and stuff. And I would just say, you know, like you hear about Southern hospitality and then until you experience it for the first time, um, you really don't, you don't know what it means. And it, you know, it really, um, the people just make you feel like family and, uh, everyone's, you know, family values and morals and everyone's just so nice. And, uh, I fell in love with it. Yeah. It's a special place for sure. Like I, I was fortunate enough to be born and raised here, but I, you know, traveling around it, it's, it's obvious to me that it's, it is a special place and I, I do love it. Love it yeah. dearly, man. Have you ever, uh, I know you said something about, you know, doing some, some hog hunts. Have you been able to do that yet? Yeah, so one of the, I think it was the the first or second time that I came down, um, they uh, they took me on a hog hunt um, where um, they tracked him and, and put him down with uh, with the dogs. Right. So that yeah. was uh, that was definitely a different style of hunting. Well, it was different for me because it was uh, you know it, it it ended up in in eating the eating the hog, but. Um, most of the hunting I had done at the time was, you know, spot and stock kind right. of deer hunting or sitting in a tree, you know, sitting in a tree stand or, you know, duck hunting in a blind. So I found the the hog hunting with, with the hounds, you know, really interactive and, you know, really way to, to get, get out hiking and 
Um, so that I found really exciting. Um, I, I guess it kind of reminded me of um, the fox hunting I did as a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, using kind of hounds to uh, to chase and locate, you know, the animal. Yeah. And that, you know, hog hunting in itself is, you know, in the South, it's one, I mean, people do it as a, as a pastime, you know, they do it as an enjoyable thing, but it's like a hog hunting in the South between the hunting and the trapping and, and that it's like a, it's a necessity down here because they're so destructive and there's so many of them, you know? Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I got to see that firsthand, um, you know, seeing some of the, the crops on uh, the Mossy Oak properties and seeing all the mm-hmm. corn that was ripped up and the soybeans that are ripped up and, you know, like the whole, like, back end of the field like a third of their crop was ripped up from these hogs oh yeah uh, you know i I definitely see why it's you know sort of a necessary evil um is you know to try to manage them and get rid of them yeah man they're 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 terrible i mean they're they're honestly they're terrible i have have a cousin that farms uh here and he i mean he has to trap constantly or or they'll they'll destroy his crop i mean like a hundred percent it's not like a it's not a game i mean he i mean he hunts them you know recreationally sometimes but like he has to run traps or or they'll kill his livelihood it's crazy it's a we're fortunate you know the place that we do um cottonmouth is the place where we hunt on the mississippi river that's where we film all of our our deer and waterfowl shows we're fortunate there I i think the whole time that that we've been there i've seen like two or three hogs killed off the place. They don't. They don't seem to like. You know, it's inside the in the levees in the levee yeah. system, and they don't seem to like that fluctuating yeah. water. So we've we've never really had to right. deal with them. Yeah. But that's man. That's what you need to come do next. You need to come down to Cottonmouth and and see that style of hunting because there's there's hunting in the Absolutely. south, and then there's hunting on the river. It's two. It's 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 a different world <laughs> over there. It's it's crazy cool. It really is. Absolutely, I'd love to yeah you, i'm serious man you need you need to come do it i think and uh i think you know especially i could talk jimmy into letting you come if i said that you would cook yeah i'm pretty sure because he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely man that's that's a that's a given i just i love cooking so for me it's it's not a chore you know people sometimes say oh you know i hate to ask you to cook or oh do you feel bad having to cook and i was like i love it and you know and people ask me do you cook at home and you know that's all i'm doing at home is cooking you know with my kids i try to get my kids involved but you know i want to eat you know healthy good <laughs> stuff at home so yeah. you know it's it's what I, it's what's just what i love to do you know we have a little garden as well and you know get, i love cooking outside you know yeah. on a barbecue or over an open fire it's it's really the best yeah that's cool man it's 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 so cool it's 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 always nicer for me it's it's always nice to see you know good guys succeed and you see a person like you that has the, you know, like I said, the values that they have for hunting and, and the outdoors and obviously your love for cooking, and then you've, you've been able to make that, you know, into how you make a living, and that's that's incredible, man. That's good for you. Good for you, really. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. That's yeah, fun. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, advise, you know, a lot of people to get into the uh, culinary industry. You know, the first, uh, I would say the first 10 years are rough. Um, you know, it's one of those trades that really aren't rewarded fairly considering you know if you were to be um go to school for another type of trade like an electrician or a plumber or construction um yeah it's it's financially it's not a real rewarding career for the first 10 years right unfortunately yeah even after the apprentice apprentice program you know an apprentice electrician uh makes a lot more money than an apprentice cook unfortunately Hmm. yeah but uh I'm at a point now, like I started cooking so young when I was, when I was 13, I had my first job as a short order cook in a diner. So, um, you know, now after having 20 plus years of experience, it's, it's starting to pay off. Yeah. You've been doing this a while then. 
<laughs> That's awesome, yeah. man. It really is. Uh, tell tell me this. Um, so, like, you know, as far as you know, I want I want the folks that listen to this to be able to to follow along with you. So you do. I know you have the Instagram. Um, you active on Twitter yep. and Facebook as well. Yeah. So uh, all of all of the handles are uh, at the Hunter Chef. Um, the restaurant is uh, Antler Kitchen Bar, um, and that can be found. Same thing: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and yeah, anytime anyone's coming through the city, you know, we'd love to have you. Um, we get, we got a lot of visitors. You know, we're actually not that far from Buffalo. It's about an hour and a half drive to the border to uh, Niagara. Okay. Um, so we, we get we get a lot of visitors from like Michigan, Detroit, Buffalo. Uh, people drive up, you know, from Vermont and New York. It's uh, it, it's pretty cool. We got a, we got a lot of American friends. So yeah, just want to say thank you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Look, I'm telling you, I'm not bluffing. If I'm ever even close to the area, you can expect to see me come in there to eat. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i'll uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take you hunting if it's in the right season oh man yeah now you're speaking my language because <laughs> uh, uh, you know even even though we're in the city about an hour my deer hunting spots about an hour from the city and then uh duck hunting is about an hour and a half away so oh awesome uh, yeah, yeah. any 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 anytime you're welcome to uh to come out and, and hang out awesome man i truly appreciate it and, and again man thank you for for taking the time to come on today i mean i know i know you got to be a, yeah, a pretty absolutely. busy guy so i appreciate it um guys right, uh, well, also me. yeah for sure man for sure it's always nice to have good folks on um so guys that are listening uh for sure you know go follow him on on instagram and facebook i mean like seriously i'll, I'll look at every time he posts a picture of anything i'm always you know usually licking my chops because it looks good uh and yeah, I hope if you have any questions, as always, send them into the Primo's Facebook or Instagram page. And uh, that's all for today. Thank you all for listening. All right, thank you. Bye bye.